This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Well, we're here to celebrate and communicate and uh, transition and all the things that will happen today. Uh, if I go off emotionally, you'll understand that. I don't think I will, but I didn't think I would in all the other times either. Uh, but so be it. Um, I'm celebrating today. It's, it's not a burdensome day for me. It's a celebration. And uh, we'll be doing it all day and next service. And tonight, uh, make sure you come back for Mark and Susan more. Tonight is Mark and Susan more than Sharon and I. And I think you'll want to see everything we do tonight will be very, very significant, symbolic, and fun. And uh, I'll say more things about Mark and Susan tonight. This morning, I really want to focus on you, the congregation, and our journey and say a few things and just clarify and uh, minister a word into your spirit that I think will just add to everything we're doing. Uh, I do want to acknowledge, tonight we'll acknowledge all the guests uh, that are coming in. Our MFI conference starts tomorrow night, so we have several hundreds of leaders coming in starting tomorrow night. So some of those are here this morning. Some uh, Walter will greet, I think, by, by list tonight. So I don't want to get started on that, except uh, to say that I have my Karen with me, uh, who's been my friend since 1971, you know. 1971, the first time I prophesied in the PBC, Portland Bible College Chapel, I was standing behind my Karen. And in those days when you prophesied, there was only one level called loud. And uh, Mike, I remember turning around looking at me and making some statements, but that was the beginning of a close friendship all these years, you know. Uh, and he's a, a great pastor and prophetic man. And, and it's just great to have you here, Mike. Thanks for, thanks for coming from Texas. And also, it's really great to have Ben Wendell from Australia, all the way from Australia, just for this. Um, and basically, he's not here for MFI. He can't stay. So he's just here just for this and then flies back through LA, back to Australia. So that's quite a commitment. And you have your six-year-old successor son with you. So it's, it's great to see him. And of course, Joseph from Uganda, who also comes from a very, very long, long journey. And, and again, I won't get started because we'll do that tonight, but I just wanted to think, think those have come from so far. And uh, thank you for being here. I want to, uh, we want to, I'm gonna have my wife uh, with me this morning. Probably at the end will be uh, more appropriate. I wanna make sure she doesn't take up any of my time at the beginning, <laughs> you know. Plus you'll start cheering her on and she'll start dropping jewels and nuggets and I'll never get a chance to speak. Uh, but my wife, who is my partner and, and we've been married 40 plus years now, and have our four kids and two grandkids and life and, and have had a great life and a continued life. I'll have her come at the end because I'm gonna do some things at the end uh, where she can be involved with me, but she will be in, involved in this message, all right? I'd like to um, go through just the next chapter and talk with you just for a few moments. This is my, officially my last 
message as a senior pastor of City Bible Church, uh, which started 25 years ago with a three-year transition, so 22 years ago, actually, the senior pastor and on. And I'll be uh, thanking Brother Dick here later in the service. Uh, and so my, my history here as a senior pastor, if you're new, and of course, if you dropped into the service today and you're a visitor, I kind of feel sorry for you in a way, but not in that you'll make history and maybe you'll want to come back next Sunday and find out more about this church. Uh, for those that are new, you're wondering, uh, who am I? I'm Frank DiMazio. I'm Sharon's husband. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I have been involved with uh, Bible Temple City Bible Church since 1971. And so it's been uh, a 40 plus journey. And uh, with that, uh, you don't find what we're doing very often in, in a lot of churches. Uh, and so it's a significant thing uh, because it's all about you. It's not about me. Uh, people ask me all the time, how you feel, how you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm alive and everything's good. Uh, but today it's really about you, uh, me. This has been coming. so. This is no surprise for you. We started uh, uh, months ago, actually a year and a half ago. And so the transition has been communicated very well to every staff person, every campus, every congregation member and letters and meetings and votings and confirmations and stuff that have gone on. And so you're not in the dark. You, you know exactly what we're doing here. But I want to just say a few things that uh, for those who are still catching up and this to confirm what is happening with this congregation and why. Uh, so I'm gonna start with what is happening today with this transition? And so let's just answer that. What's happening today with this transition? What does it really mean for me and you and all of us? What is happening for this transition? Well, it started uh, actually about a year and a half ago, it'd be two years, January, uh, knowing that uh, I can't kind of leave it out. So if I mention it's not because I'm trying to get some self-pity or sympathy from you or whatever. I think you would know me better than that. But really my life can be divided into pre-cancer, cancer, post-cancer. Post uh, there's no getting around that. Uh, cancer was a huge mountain and a huge life change and a shift in my thinking and a shift in my life. I, uh, there's no way I can get around that. Uh, 300 hours of chemotherapy and 20 radiations and spinal taps and months in the hospital and, and really letting go of City Bible Church at that point because I almost died. And so really it was back in 2014 that I had to embrace my uh, future with City Bible Church. And I had to embrace my own future, my health and what the doctors were saying and 40% chance of the cancer coming back in the first year. And you know, I had all the stats and all the studies and, and so I knew what I was facing and plus the recovery of my own body and trying to get through and back to health and strength and who knows where I would land and, and trying at the same time spiritually to uh, guide this church and, and my ministry and what I'm supposed to be thinking about. And so I asked myself three questions it was actually late December. I finished my um, chemo and all that stuff in, in August of 2014 and then came back. And as you remember, maybe not, but I preached a few times in September, October and kind of started easing back in with the leaders. And it was, a, it was good. I mean, we've always had a great relationship with, with the eldership, with the LT, with the congregation. There was, there was nothing out of order. Uh, it, was, it was a good, solid 
uh, come back and, and they wanted me to come back and there was no push me out or what about your health and hey, we need to stop here, Frank. And you know, I don't think you should go any further. There was none of that going on. It was, it was me, it was all initiated by me. And so by the time I got to December, uh, I asked myself a question and I answered the question, which I asked a lot of pastors. I asked the question, what is best for City Bible Church? What I asked every pastor around the world, what I'm counseling with them, it just kind of cuts to the chase and just answer me the question. They try to give me all kinds of other ideas, but I always ask them the simple question, what's best for your church? Not for you, not for the season, not for the finance, not for, what is best for this congregation? If you could just somehow cut to the chase and tell me what's best for the church, we could start right there, then we could work through it. Because a lot of times leaders do start accidentally, I don't think out of perversion of motive, but what's best for me or what should be best for me and what does the church owe me and how can the church take care of me? And you know, I've given my life, but the church should also give me something in return for this. And, and so there's a lot of talk that goes on with pastors and I didn't wanna fall into that. And so I tried to answer the question, uh, for the eldership, for me, what's best for City Bible Church? And I must ask the question 50 times, sit there with a you know, pen and paper for several days asking me that question, you know, just back to myself, okay, Frank, what's best for City Bible Church? Write it out, what is best? And all the times I did it, I could never put my name in the blank. And so after a few days, I had to face it, my name never got into the blank. I wasn't the best for City Bible Church, not with my health, not with my recovery, not with what it would take to push this flywheel on a daily basis, which Mark now understands. He did understand some before he understand full load now. It's a full load. You can't ever put your hands off the steering wheel. Brother Dick understands that too. It's a, it's a full meal deal every day. You gotta work 50, 60 hours a week minimum, and you gotta emotionally be on top of your game, spiritually on top of your game. You gotta be watching staff and campuses, 187 people and staff and services and missions and schools. And I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a massive piece of work. And uh, I could not do that. I was not the guy for that, not for the future. I could preach and I did. And that's why people say, Frank, you sound so good. You, you're, you're back and your mind sharp. And you know, why do you need to let go of the church now? Because preaching is only one fiftieth of pastoring. That's why. And most people don't know that. Uh, preaching is maybe the easiest part in a way because it's gift orientated more than talent or work. And uh, I just simply face it, I'm not the guy. And uh, that was a hard thing. Uh, certainly back then it was hard. And for my wife, it was devastating. Even Brother Dick told me, you're wrong. You should not do this. You know, he, he gave me his fatherly advice, not the word of the Lord, but he was saying, I don't think you should do this. Uh, and that's what he told me. It's not the word of the Lord, but he said, this is how I feel. And I understood how he felt. He said, give it a year. But I, I knew in my spirit, that the answer to that was not give it any more time. I needed to do something with City Bible Church because I had already let go of it for a year. And the momentum was sustained. We weren't losing ground. The church grew in money and attendance and we weren't losing ground, but we weren't gaining great ground either. To gain great ground, you have to push a lot harder and you have to plan a lot deeper, et cetera. And so my first question, what is best for CBC? My name didn't come up. My second question, who is God's choice to lead CBC? Well, that was a huge question to answer. I thought I knew that answer. 
uh, kind of obvious to me. Mark ran the church when I was sick. He was my right-hand man for all these years. You know, I had Jack Loman when Jack was here. I, I have other, you know, Daryl and different ones that have been a key player, have the ELT, which I'll talk about. And uh, there's a lot of key players here, which that's what this church is, a team of teams. And there must be a lot of key players. But uh, without going through all the process we got through, uh, it was a long process. It was not just, okay, elders, I want Mark, everybody good, vote. Yes, okay, let's move on. It was not that way at all. We had, uh, uh, first of all, they, they, I had to convince them that I had heard from God that I should step down. That took a little bit. I then had to convince them the timing. That took a little bit. They weren't convinced I should let go right now. They, they had to listen to my reasoning and to my heart. And being a wise eldership and wise leaders, they said, you know, we understand what you're saying and we can embrace that. And then we got to the who and we went through five months of interviewing with Mark and Susan, five months of interviewing with the elders, ELT. We had hours and hours of questions and answers. It wasn't a simple thing. It, it wasn't just automatic. There, there had to be a God peace in this. By the time we got through to who was God's choice, uh, I nominated Mark and the elders, which I think uh, is, is a miracle in process, 100% confirmation for Mark from the eldership. Not, not, I think we had 27 elders, we had 24 now, I think we had 27 then. Uh, we shot the three that didn't vote. Um, <laughs> nah, they, they must be somewhere, I don't know what happened to them. Um, but they were, uh, we were unified. We were absolutely unified. And so then number three, the third question is, what is the best transition plan for this? How do we do this? How do we make a transition plan? I had written out a paper with the LT called Shift, and it had the, uh, all the layers of shift that it would take place. And it was a lot of communication and a lot of, uh, again, discussion, not just with the elders, but the ETLT and then the campuses and all the staff and you know, the business people. And we had to kind of do our homework and put a timetable together. And, and then when would we confirm Mark, which was October 4th, 2015, the congregation voted, which again was a miracle, 99%. They only had eight no's, and I think all of those came from Daryl. Because <laughs> Daryl was the other person they were interviewing. Uh, <laughs> they didn't come from Daryl. Daryl, you know, you're a humble, good man. And you, but I don't know about your children. I think your children would have put those in. Uh, but really, in a church our size, to have uh, uh, only eight no's out of uh, several thousand votes was, again, a miracle. The church said, uh, yes, we see Mark, and yes, we believe the elders are right, and yes, we will move forward with this man and this woman, and we're at peace. And so that started the transition. When we first started the transition, we set a date to be April 2017. And I changed the date. Uh, why? Because as I began to peel off things to Mark, uh, I was peeling things off. I had about seven or eight major senior pastor things I needed to peel off. And I wanted to see how the staff responded to him and the elders and all the load and how Mark would do. Because when you shift to this load, it is a different feel. It's a different everything. And he was just home running every, you know, I, I pitch him something, he'd knock it out of the park. I pitch it, he'd knock it out of the park. And I would say, geez, he, he, he's a better hitter than I am. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pitch him anything else for a while. He just keeps, 
hitting the ball out of the park, you know? And so after a while, I said to Mark in, in January, I think of this year, I said, Mark, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna do the date we set. He said, boss, I don't know about that. I don't think the elders would know about it either. And, and why are you changing that? Are you, did I do something wrong? Did I do something wrong already? I said, nothing to do with you. Uh, except if you could hit a few doubles and singles instead of home runs all the time. No, I didn't say that. Uh, I said, it's, it's just me. Uh, we don't need to prolong this. We, we need to get on with it for the sake of the church and the momentum. I don't need to stay a senior pastor. I said, I'm not married to it. I'm emotionally... Uh, I don't know what I was at that point, but not good. But I'm emotionally capable of handling this and we can make this. And so we made the change. I've seen transitions. Here's five different kinds of transitions that could have happened. One is replacing an icon. Not that I'm an icon, but... <laughs> an icon is a person that has those special gifts, but can be a little autocratic, but they do build teams, but it takes that talent to lead the teams. And if you try to move the company, like a Bill Gates leaving, surprise them, and a Steve Jobs, he died. But uh, the company has had definitely gone through its adjustments, and I can name 10 more. And in the church world, uh, we could have faced that because we have strong leadership. Again, I'm not saying I'm an icon. I'm just, uh, I am unique and odd. Uh, <laughs> but we didn't have to deal with that one. Number two, following a train wreck, which I've dealt with, uh, taking over a significant leadership failure church is difficult. And when you bring the other guy in, uh, it's a train wreck and people are confused and people are leaving and people are disappointed. People are taking sides. Uh, people already have an attitude against the church even before the other guy takes it. It's a train wreck. And it's, a, it's a, almost an impossible good transition to get that train wreck to get back on track. It takes years to get it back on track. Three is what I call the jumpstart the dead transition. Jumpstart the dead is when the church is dead. You let it die. You keep it long enough so that you kill it. And so then when it's officially dead, you say to the other guy, okay, I'm going to give you this dead church because it's your turn now to see what you can do with this dead church and try to jumpstart it. And there's no momentum. There's no salvations going on, et cetera. Number four, there's what I call the breaking ground transition. Uh, this is not as bad as the following two that I just gave you the previous, but uh, the breaking ground is the uh, kind of transition where you have to reinvent everything. Uh, it's there, but you have to uh, rehire the staff, you have to retrain the leaders, you have to redo the worship, you have to redo the prayer, you gotta reinvent this, you gotta add the values back in, you, you're breaking ground. You, it, it's not dead, but you're almost starting over again because you have to break so much ground just to get the church moving. Number five would be what I call smooth sailing. And that's the one I prophesied over myself. <laughs> Smooth sailing. Everything is in good shape. Ship's headed the right direction. The crew's good. Uh, everybody's in for a great ride. They got good wind in the sails. Uh, everything is great. Uh, you trade in a new captain. It doesn't really change the compass. It doesn't change the ship crew. Uh, everything just, it's smooth sailing. And, and I'd like to say, 
in honor of our leadership teams and everybody that does this, thank God we have a smooth sailing transition. You know, don't take that for granted. That, that's a blessing of the Lord that we're not fighting, we're not weirding out, we're not restarting, we're not half the elders just walked out and half the staff aren't going to stay and you got this guy replacing and Mark's going to bring in a new kind of worship that the universe has never heard before. And so you've got, it's none of that. Why? Because the ship has never belonged to a man. Never. Not in, not in our doctrine, not in our philosophy. And so when Dick handed me the church, I continued the ship in the same direction. I just added some paint and a few more things and this and that. But basically, we're the same in our root system. We're the same in our doctrine. We're the same as a ship. Why? Because the ship doesn't belong to a man. It belongs to God and it belongs to the people. It belongs to God and it belongs to the people. And so that's the transition we're in, and I'm thanking God for it and thanking God for the great leaders that we have. Okay, that's what's happening with the transition. Second thing, what is happening with my or our Sharon and I? What's happening with our future? People ask me that all the time, so let me just say it real clearly. Um, this is not a retirement party. And please don't say it to me because I might swear at you. <laughs> it's not a retirement party. Even my daughter came in the other night, Sharon and I was laying in bed, we were talking and, and in comes one of my kids and they said, oh, so how's, what's gonna happen at the retirement party? And Sharon and I both at the same time said, that's not what it is. <laughs> not that I'm sensitive about this, <laughs> but this is not a retirement announcement. I'm not retiring, I'm shifting. I'm, I'm what I, I read in one book called refiring. I'm not retiring, I'm refiring. I'm, I'm reinventing, I'm, I'm reshifting. I'm, I'm, I'm moving into a, a, a new door. I'm, I'm not here, you know, crying and carrying on and, and let, so hard to let go and I don't know what to do and here we go and then, you know, I'm gonna step out of the boat. It's all that, but it, it, the church that I've served all those years, I served with purpose, passion, total commitment, held nothing back, and I will do the same through the next door I walk through. And so that's how the kingdom of God works. And so it's not retiring, it's shifting. Uh, I like this epitaph on a Swiss guide's tombstone, a Swiss guide's tombstone, it says, he died climbing. He was a guide, that was his life, on his tombstone simply, he died climbing. Say it out loud with me. That's exactly what I will do. I'm not gonna die in, in the lodge sipping hot chocolate and looking at the mountains with a blanket over my lap and reading a Frank DiMaggio book. <laughs> it ain't gonna happen. Why? Because I, I'm not retiring. I, there's no need for me to retire. Uh, I can't keep up with this church. I don't need to. I'm 66 and been through a whole lot of stuff. And so I faced that. That's reality. I got a little problem with my hip and a little problem with this, but my mind's in good shape. My spirit's in good shape. The rest of my body's in good shape. It's just like this guy who went to the doctor and he, and he said to the doctor, everywhere I, 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 
put my finger, it aches. The doctor said, that can't be. He says, yeah, on my head, on my arm, and everywhere. It just hurts every place I touch. So they did all kinds of tests. And this guy was waiting for the worst news. And the doctor says, you have a broken finger. <laughs> you have a broken finger. Well, well, sometimes that's how I feel. You know, everything hurts, but it really not everything hurts. There's only one thing that causes that. And so I'm actually for 66 and even the doctor, by the way, if you didn't hear, I just got all my tests back again a week or so ago after two years, which is the biggest climb with the cancer return. I am totally 100% cancer free at this point, 100%. So of course, I would take the scripture, Joshua 14, 10, and apply it. Caleb, he's 85, and he says, give me this mountain. And then he makes a statement that I'm believing. I'm believing this Joshua 14 and verse 10. I'm believing this verse for my life. I'm as strong today as I was 45 years ago. I can go in and out, and I'm good for war. Give me the mountain. Now, what's interesting about that, he never actually killed the people on the mountain. His kids did it for him, which is a wise, wise man. So Andrew, Julia, get ready for the giants. You take the mountain, you, you fight, and then I'd say, that's my mountain. That's how Caleb worked. But he had faith for it. He had faith for that mountain, and he took it. All right, since January till now, since January to right now, just to kind of prove my point, I've been to 40 cities, eight nations, and spoken just over 200 times. I'm not retiring. So, so please do not use that swear word in any conversation that you have. What Frank DiMaggio and Sharon is doing is reinventing, shifting, refiring, doing more than ever, climbing more mountains. And that's what we will do. So what am I doing? I'm shifting. Uh, also, I will continue, as some people have asked about uh, MFI, which is this week, and I'll say this more, but I will continue as a chairman over MFI, at least for the next three years, uh, because I'm in for a four-year term right now. And as far as I can see, I will do that. And that is pastoring pastors, which that's what I'm doing. I've also reestablished a uh, Frank DiMaggio ministry according uh, to the uh, direction of our eldership to ask me to go ahead and do something as a nonprofit so that I could actually do many more writings and funds and stuff that I need to do. So I established a Frank DiMaggio ministry. Uh, I have a board with uh, Ranji and um, Mike White and Randy Albert are on the board. Uh, two of those three are elders. And uh, so I've established a way for me to kind of move forward into the world of leadership outside of MFI and outside of CBC. Uh, I have eight pieces to that. It's my web, online resources. Uh, leadership coaching, right now I'm, I'm coaching seven coach, uh, pastors, senior pastors. I don't coach anybody else but senior pastors for a reason. Uh, I have leadership intensives that I do. They're a, three-day intensive where I speak 11 times and write a notebook. And I brought in just in August right here into that room right over there, 63 pastors that sat with me for 
three days and we did an intensive on preaching. And so that's kind of my future, the intensives. Uh, church weekend events where I go in and do a number of things with leaders and churches, uh, consulting churches on trouble stuff and building and et cetera. Uh, then preaching uh, around and then sermon coaching, which I do, uh, you know, very picky with that. There's, there's maybe 10 guys I'm doing that with. And then a school of leadership would be a little bit more involved, like a week-long school of leadership. So that would be kind of what I would be doing in my future. Uh, what about CBC, PBC by invitation? And Mark invites me, which he has. He's always been very open to that. I pulled, I pulled back from speaking here to get emotionally uh, kind of away from here and spiritually to give Mark and Susan a chance to really step up, write the series, do the pulpit, you know, whoever feeds the leads, and I wanted Mark to do that. Uh, but in the coming year, uh, I will be back and speak a couple, three weekends maybe or something. Uh, if, if he needs more, I could do that. But honestly, I'm not needed in the pulpit. You got so many great preachers and so many great feeders. Uh, I'll do PBC. I have a three-day um, thing in October coming up here. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, where I'll go in and do an intensive just with PBC for three days with the whole student body on whatever subject Ken uh, thinks I should do. And so I still will have input uh, as a ministry, not as a decision maker, not as a corrector, not as someone that's training leaders here, or shaping the vision here. That's all Mark. That's none of me. But to come in and bless and preach and inspire and and uh, just to see you folks once in a while, and, and just for you to see me and say, oh, he's not dead. Well, hallelujah. <laughs> Isn't that great to see Pastor Frank? He's still alive. Okay, um, now, what's happening with the transition, what's happening with me and Sharon? Then the third thing is, what's happening today with CBC? What, what, what is going on with this church today, and what does this mean to this church today. And here's just a few statements that helps you understand how all of us are thinking about this, how, how we're kind of moving through this together as a leadership team is, is what's happening today with CBC. First of all, all of us as an eldership, we understand that CBC belongs to Christ, okay? That the church is never owned by a man. We are only stewards. I'm only part of a relay race that's been the last 65, 66 years. Dick was part of that race. And he gave up truly his life legacy because this was his church birth. For me, it was a church takeover, but it was still my life legacy and that 25 years of my life was put here. And now that baton's handed to Mark, another part of the relay race, another piece of what we're doing. But we understand that the church as leaders, we're stewards, we're not owners. And that the church, Acts 20, verse 28, Acts 20, 28, shepherd the flock, which he purchased with his own blood. And so the flock has been purchased by Christ's sacrifice. I get to enter into that and work with him, but the church belongs to Jesus, does not belong to a man. The senior pastor must recognize their contribution and then let it go. There's no ownership to contribution. There's no ownership to the campuses or, 
you know, I didn't start the college, Dick did, but I started campuses, so that, that would be my legacy. I'm going to say, yes, campuses. No, it's all part of the church. I must just look at my contribution overall and then let it go. Not claim it, not use it, but let it go. And that's a hard thing sometimes for senior pastors because there's identity in the legacy pieces that you birthed and that you gave your life to. But the only reason those could happen is because I had a leadership team and a congregation and a budget that you gave us money to work with. None of it was mine. I didn't raise the money out of my wallet, my credit card, and it wasn't me that did all this. It was us. Everyone say us. us. So as a senior pastor, I recognize that Jesus is head of church. Second thing, CBC belongs to the oversight of the elders. Not one man. Acts 20, verse 28, take heed to yourself to all the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. The church, and, and, and if I would, and I do say this around the world, an eldership is what gives longevity to the church, not the senior pastor. Because the elders are still here today. I'm moving on. But all 24 elders are in place, which means all of their history their values, their commitment, their understanding of this church and the people they serve and love and shepherd on a daily basis, nothing moves. Why? Because a true leadership team of a congregation is the eldership. The senior pastor is part of the eldership, gets to move with the eldership, does have authority with the eldership to submit things and to cast vision. But if the eldership don't move with it, you can't move. That's our law. That's, our, that's how we function. If the eldership would not have voted Mark in, Mark Etes would not be sitting here today as the next senior pastor. It wouldn't have happened. I would have given up the constitutional right to nominate, and then they would have taken over and nominated whoever they wanted and put in who they wanted. I only had one shot at this, and they responded. That's why it took me five months to shoot one bullet. I didn't, I didn't want to come back and say, oops, I wanted the eldership to have a full meal deal of what this vote means. And so I understand and the church understands that an eldership is a very important thing. The eldership are the voice of God to my life. They're my voice. And they have turned me down over the years over things. Right before I got cancer, I wanted to start a campus here in outer Portland and I had it all set up and it would have been a home run. And the elders said no. But there was no real reason for them to say no, except they just felt no. Well, there were reasons, but I, you know, I, I thought they were very small reasons. But you know, they were right. And I did it for four Sundays and it went big. We had 400 people at the launch and, and it was a great thing. People wanted to continue. And even some of the elders said, I think we should change our mind on this. I think we should do it. And you know, one of the smartest things I did at that point was say to the elders, no, no, you voted. I'm responding and I can't change it just because we had a little success. I'm going to go with the eldership vote. You know, it wasn't just right after that. I was diagnosed with cancer, which meant there would have been a new campus starting. The staff would have been stretched. I would have been out of the loop. It would have been a lot more for the ELT to handle. It would have been an extra pressure. I'm sure they would have found a way to handle it. But God saw the future, and the elders were a voice to my life. And that has been our win here at City Bible Church. Also, another statement, CBC belonged to the mission 
God has given this specific church. The mission belongs to the congregation. We form it, we preach it, but if you don't follow it, it doesn't exist. And so the mission that God has given this church, which is unique, we have a unique mission with the colleges and the Christian school and church planning and missions and what we do with the city. And we don't expect every church to do what we do. It's our mission. It's, it's our vision. It's, it's our DNA. It's what God has given us to do to build a thriving church and live like Jesus and share his love and be evangelistic. And the, the hundreds of people that hear the gospel every year because of this church is amazing. And then the fourth thing, CBC has a new set man, which I'll say more tonight. Numbers 27, 16. Let the Lord God of all flesh appoint a man to lead the church, the congregation, in and out. I, I'm very uh, relaxed and very grateful to God that Mark and Susan are here and that they were the set person that was voted on and that they have all the gifts and the talents. I am positive Mark would do better than I, and I don't just say that out of some kind of humility thing. I should be saying this. I know that. Mark, Mark's a gifted preacher, teacher, a gifted administrator, a gifted manager, gifted in teams. He gifted in areas I wasn't. Uh, together, we did great, because I had a Mark, I had a Jack, I had a Robert. He's gonna need a Jack and a Robert and others too, as his gift mix will be a little different. But his gift mix, exceeds mine and will be, uh, which means your future is not limited or at any loss. Your future is greater because of this transition, not lesser. It's a greater future for the church. Why we go from glory to glory. We don't go from glory to subglory, from glory to no glory, to great leader to ooh, not so good of a leader. Maybe it'll come around in 10 years again. No, we go from, from brother Dick to me and I did what Brother Dick couldn't do at that point, I added some things. Now, as I bring it to this point, Mark will add some more things. The key is the church will keep growing. And you're, you're, not, you're not in for a shake-up, you're in for a shake-up. Not a shake-up, a shake-up, where things will be awesome and they will work, all right? I want Sharon now to come and stand with me, if for nothing else, just to make me look a lot better. Sharon has been um, with us in ministry 40 years. She's been equal to me in ministry. As Bible college teacher, she was there. As a pastor, church planner in Eugene, Sharon was part of that team and did everything. Coming back here, part of the team did everything. She's an elder. Uh, at this point, she is still an elder at City Bible Church. They, they made her an elder. She's been a worship pastor from the beginning since we came back. She was a worship pastor for the last number of years down, downtown campus. The song we sang this morning, Awaken My Heart, that's one of Sharon's songs, uh, where she has written a number of songs with the leadership team here. And the great thing about Sharon uh, with pastoring and having pastor's wives, it's hard maybe for you to believe this, but this is absolute true. 
I've never ever had a person write me a letter, send me a text, or come see me that was offended at Sharon. <laughs> ever. They were always offended at me, <laughs> but they were never offended at Sharon. She's been the team player, the, the person to just bring sweetness to wherever she works. She's, she cooperates. She loves God. She comes from great roots. And uh, we've been privileged to have her uh, also as a ministry and as a elder woman. Anybody want to take pictures right now? Uh, you want to say something? Right now? Yeah, just say something. Yeah, and we'll do the front. Well, our story has been interwoven with your story. And it's a little bit of a puzzle how, how I came here from Australia. Hence the, <laughs> you knew I couldn't get up here without doing this today. Just thinking back on our life, how I came here from Australia. When I was 19, my husband came here from California. And uh, you know, when I was 21 years old, Ken Molman prophesied over me that my life would be a puzzle. And that truly has been what it has looked like. A little bit of a tapestry where God was weaving pieces together, but I've always felt like I was looking from the underneath part, saying, what on earth are you doing, God? But when he looks down and sees that puzzle piece, that tapestry piece, there has been beauty made there. And for the last number of years that we've been here, we have loved shepherding each one of you. Our vision has always been that God, would you use us to build the church, to love the church, to shepherd the church. And it's been our great honor to do that. It was a little bit intimidating coming here and taking over from Brother Dick and Sister Edie, who were such legends in ministry and such amazing pastors. And Frank and I were a little bit like, oh God, can we do this? But he's, he's helped us and he's been with us. And we've loved serving you and leading you and accomplishing some amazing things in the last number of years that we've been here. And so we're so thankful to God, how He's blessed us. We've raised our children here. Some of you might have been here that, I think it was one of the first Sundays that we were back. Nicole was 10, Bethany was eight, Andrew was four, and Jessica was three months old. And we were standing up here on the stage. I had a dress on. That's what we wore back in those days. Uh, and Andrew took his finger and wrapped it around my skirt. And my skirt as, you know, being introduced as the new pastor's wife, my skirt was gradually coming up and up and up. And that was like, welcome to our family. This is who we are. We have little kids. We are gonna do our best to follow God's call, but we are very real people. And I trust that you have felt that with Frank and I and with our family over the years that we've pastored here. I have loved being involved with worship and being on staff the last 16 years. It's just been the joy of my heart to lead you in worship and into God's presence. Just so thankful for each one of you and how you've loved us and taken care of us, especially over the last number of years while Frank was sick and we were just in a very difficult spot 
you, the congregation, has taken care of us and blessed us so much. And I feel like ending this chapter that we've, we've accomplished what God has asked us to do. Now, not everything that was in Frank's heart, because you know there was a million things in there, all of his vision and ideas. But I believe that we've come to today and, and said, God, you've been so faithful to us. And I believe that we are finishing this chapter knowing that we did what God called us to do. And now as we open the door to the next chapter, we are so excited to see what God is going to do with City Bible Church. And, uh, and, and wrapping this up because of the clock and other campuses and parking lots, I, I want to thank, first of all, uh, Brother Dick, thank you for choosing me to start this whole journey in our life that you trusted us, as Sharon just said, and Sister Edie, who's in heaven, uh, who were two of the great influences in, in, our, in our life for many, many years. I also want to thank the CBC eldership uh, for your, your allowing me to lead you and, and your amazing ministry. You know, again, we never had a problem, any kind of a serious problem ever in 25 years as an eldership with me working with them that, that we couldn't just sit down and discuss. We never had a blow up. We never had elders get up and walk out and just say, you know, we're not with you anymore. And this, you know, we've had a great relationship all these years. And uh, uh, to me, uh, leaving that, knowing that I can come back to any elders meeting and not have a bunch of weird feelings. What's he doing here? Boy, I thought we got rid of him. Uh, uh, come back and still have that kind of relationship because it is long-term relationship. I would read the 24 names, but uh, I don't have the time. And also the ELT was the executive leadership team I met with on a weekly basis, uh, which would be Daryl and Mark and Robert, uh, Walter, Ken, Howard Rashinsky, and Ben Trelease. Uh, I met with probably for the last, I don't know how long, 15, 18 years on a weekly basis uh, on Tuesdays from noon with lunch to about four or five, some long day meetings, but they were the ones who were the rudder to my ideas and uh, they were my small group. They were the ones that would really pastor me and, and I could open my heart to and we could talk anything about the church they wanted to talk about. Uh, I wanna thank that group for their amazing leadership. And also the ACLT team, which is 140 people, that staff, youth and children, everybody on that team we met with once a month. But again, all the young leaders, I can't say enough about that. What a wonderful privilege to lead with so many young leaders. And I love them all and love their children. And that's one of the pieces you miss when you kind of exit this kind of a role. Uh, I don't get to see them as often and see their kids and, and uh, I really love all the children. I want to thank the worship pastors, especially Jeremy Scott, as the worship band probably should come to the platform. That'll help me end on time. <laughs> um, but when I took over uh, the worship department after Doug and Donna left, because Donna was my, my chief kingpin at that point, and uh, I needed uh, someone else to help kind of take it and train. And Jeremy was still very young then and not that experienced except as a worship leader. Uh, I brought Jeremy in and he has been just a joy to work with and has been my right hand and has been so uh, easy to mold and work with and help. And I just wanna honor 
uh, him and Kim Marie also has been on that team and uh, Jenny over at 217 and Isaac right here, uh, Julia over at Mill Plain, different ones that have been uh, the worship pastors I met with on a weekly basis also for a long, long time and just discussed presence of God and worship and flow. I wanna thank the youth pastors, which uh, now is under Mark. That's one of the senior pastor things I kept was worship and youth. I kept as direct reports to me because they shaped the personality of the church so much. I wanna thank uh, my son, Andrew, uh, and Julia sitting here this morning. Andrew has been uh, the person over the youth team, in a sense, over the camp and the conference, and then Wednesday nights they were together. But Andrew stepped up and, and became that person. And I just want to honor him publicly. I won't get another chance to do that. But just to thank Andrew and to thank Julia. It's hard being a pastor's son under everybody's nose, especially when they knew him when he was four years old, uh, <laughs> twisting a woman's dress up, you know. Uh, and so uh, Andrew and Julia have been absolutely fantastic. They're both great preachers and teachers, and they have led the youth. Andrew's actually exiting City Bible Church under the blessing of Mark and uh, elders and the team, they've already announced this and done it all, but he's moving to Seattle to be under Judah Smith, who has been his lifelong friend, and he did intern up there, and, and he, even if I, I think I was still here, Andrew would still be doing this, uh, because he had that relationship with Judah. He wants to plant a church in the future in the Northwest somewhere, and uh, whatever Judah does, Judah will probably try to keep him on staff there longer than shorter. Uh, but he is going up to Seattle, so if you don't see him, but it's good. It's good with Mark. It's good with Susan. It's good with Dylan, Kirsten, good with all the teams. They, they handled it right. I was so proud of my son handling that right. Proud of the team because I had to stay out of it. And they all landed at the right place, did it the right way, blessing him. He's going out with tears. The kids over there, you know, are, are crying that he's leaving. It's, it's better than cheering when you leave. Uh, this, is, this is my rule of thumb. It's better for them to cry than cheer. Uh, and so I want to say thank you, Dylan Kirsten. You guys have been just the greatest, and I respect you guys so much. And I know that you're stepping up to take Andrew's place now, and I just want you to know you can totally do that. You both are very gifted and uh, humble and anointed. And again, this church has a great future in you guys. And with Oshis and, and the team and replacing a Mill Plain youth pastor, Mark will announce that in due season. Uh, but thank you and Oshis and Kelly over at 217 right now, Kaylee, and uh, all the, the youth team. And then, did the band come? Oh, there you are. Usually they start, you know, finger picking or doing the <laughs> Phantom of the Opera thing. Uh, also, I want to honor my prayer team, our prayer team who has prayed for us, I don't know how many years, but Mark Jones has been over that team. Mark added up all the texts that him and I had done last three years, 7,000 texts between Mark Jones and me. When I was uh, going through my sickness problem, Mark was every day. He was at the hospital every time I was there. And that team, David and Judy Chown, Mark and Susan Jones, Rick and Kathy, uh, Frank and Paula Wortman, and Larry and Judy Semmer, they have met every Sunday morning from 9.30 to 10.30 and prayed for me and my family and us and the church for years, come by our house, available whenever. I just want to say a huge thank you. I don't think I'd be alive without you guys. And then uh, I want to mention our, our 
personal close friends in closing, Steve and Becky Scheidler, uh, not only as elders, not just ELT, I could go through my friends there, but these are different. Uh, Steve and Becky, uh, who have been close friends with us and has saved us from a lot of uh, emotional hurt. Steve actually was probably my best guy during my transition. He had made one with his business and Steve's a no-nonsense guy. You know, if you start crying, he'll just slap you and say, shut up. Uh, why are you crying? Uh, well, I feel you don't feel anything right now. You just move forward. Uh, and so it wasn't quite that bad, but Steve and Becky had been the closest. The very first time we moved here, Becky came over our house. We didn't even know him. And she picked up our kids to take them somewhere, went two blocks and got in a car accident. She, she ran into somebody. That's how Becky and I started. Uh, Tim and Val Nasha. Tim has been uh, just one of the, both Tim and Val. We vacation with the Shilers. We vacation with the Nashups. Uh, they have been amazing loyal friends. Mike and Willa White. Uh, Mike went to every doctor's appointment with me, or with me and Sharon, or with Sharon. He did the research for everything. Mike was a key player in me choosing different things about my treatments. It was Mike that stayed with it hour after hour after hour. Him and Mark Jones were my rudders during that time. And honestly, Mike and Willa have been that our whole life. We go all the way back to Bible college. Howard with Donna, uh, Donna Roshinsky is the same way. I worked on, with CCLI for the last 20 plus years on his board. But Howard's been my personal confidant when I'm really not sure I'm thinking right. And Howard's a CEO and he's an elder and he's been a pastor and I would talk with Howard and say, Howard, I'm thinking like this. How would you interpret it? And he would tell me. He would say, well, this is this, this is this. I think you better watch that. He was my personal confidant to help me. Randy and Kathy Albert, who just moved back here. I go all the way back as a teenager to his family. His father lived with them. And Randy and Kathy have been my close friends ever since they got married and then moved up here. And then last, Jack and Libby Lohman. Jack's in heaven. Uh, but Jack, no doubt, was my closest uh, influence in my life and uh, the person that had the most uh, intimate words for me because we worked that way together was Jack Loman. And uh, having Jack go to heaven early was a hard thing, uh, but I just want to honor him and Libby, and I, don't, I think Libby's probably over at the other campus and just say thank you to them. And last of all, I want to honor CBC congregation. Thank you for being responsive, respectful, and an amazing church, and allowing me to give you millions of points throughout the years, and for you to act interested at every point was, was a very gracious thing for you to do. God bless you.